0: The 20,
1: the 15, the 10, he's got speed, he's going oh. to the end zone, touchdown
2: MSU! Dawson, out to Harris for a three ball, he got it! Kennedy looking center shot, and a score! A score! Thanks, good, it's good! He won't go anywhere, the Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl! Completion!
3: Five. Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino.
0: Faith with Austin Goodman. And guys, let's get Faith's opinion here first. Faith, what do you make about this tournament so far for Michigan
2: State? It's definitely been a positive um, tournament so far for Michigan State. I mean, they came out against the Blue Hens, dominated, did a fantastic job. Game against Harvard, I was a little bit concerned with what happened there, but they came out, they pulled out the win, and we've got Virginia coming up this next upcoming weekend.
0: Yeah, they do. They have Virginia on the 28th. It's a Friday, the last game at 9.57 Eastern time at the Garden on TNT, so be sure to tune in there. But Goodman. Um, Keep it brief here, Bubba, what do you think about these two first games for Michigan State so far? You like it, you don't like it, give us something.
4: I thought that Michigan State played really well. The best part about team sports is the team aspect, and Michigan State is playing great as a team right now. It's the most fluent that we've seen them, it's the smartest we've seen them, it's the best that we've seen Payne, the best that we've seen out of Dawson. Guys, this team is the real deal. I agree, it is the real
0: deal so far, and that's why everyone picked Michigan State to really go really far in this tournament. And I know you're like, whoa, really far Michigan State, a little bias here at Michigan State's campus, but I don't think so. I think when it comes down to a lot of experts on ESPN, CBS, sports, Yahoo Sports, they all pick Michigan State to go considerably far. Because when this team is healthy, Faith, I think they can make a lot of damage. And now you're seeing what they can do. Dawson looks strong. Those 26, I believe he had. And look, Adrian Payne's 41 in that game against Delaware but if these guys play to that potential faith, how can this team lose?
2: I, I really don't know, but you're going up against Virginia, who is a dominant defensive team who probably is the best in the nation. And Wow. I would say that definitely.
0: Okay. Well, I, I mean there's no doubt about it that Virginia plays a great defensive game. But like I always allude to, something's gotta give here, guys. Is it the great offense? Is it the great defense? but something obviously has to give. And now we look at Michigan State, their their offense is clicking on all cylinders. But then when you look at their defense, what's the status there? Are they not playing well defensively? I would argue that they're not playing as sound as they usually do, but if they click offensively like this, like the way they're doing, I think this is a rare situation where Michigan State controls their own destiny with Villanova losing, with UNC losing, two teams that I thought would give Michigan State a problem. But so far, I think the bracket over in the East region that wasn't getting a lot of publicity – Seems like it's kind of panning out the way Michigan State expected, Austin.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Spartans have two veteran NCAA powerhouses that are at the top of their game right now. I mean, they are bringing their legacy at Michigan State to a close on a very great note. I mean, Brandon Dawson, he struggled injuries throughout his entire career here and is finally healthy. And Adrian Payne coming out against Delaware, like you said, 41 points. That is incredible. The team looks as though they're ready to match whatever that... Whatever comes in front of them. And Coach Izzo himself, he prepares his team to be comfortable, to be ready, to compete every single day. I mean, what makes MSU so lethal is the team is so deep. That's the best part.
2: I think I want to bring something up about you talking about Payne you know he scored 41 points in the Delaware game just starting off the NCAA tournament incredible game two little historical facts Mm -hmm. Payne scored the most points in an NCAA tournament game since Seth Curry in 2008
0: which is very impressive the 40 point club as they allude to
2: incredible and then he is also the second player in the NCAA tournament to score 40 points shoot 67% and be perfect from the free throw line and the other person was Bill Bradley in 1965
0: little fade, a little Dig in here. Look, forget Elias Sports Bureau. We got faith here, <laughs> but faith bringing it up to, faith bringing it up some pretty good points. And I think what the, the fact is, Adrian Payne. And I think Payne's play is the reason why they got now a target on their back. So Payne scores 41 against Delaware. He comes back. Uh, he comes back in his Harvard game. He scores 12. Now a lot of people coming up to me, and I'm actually pretty appalled with the comments I've heard. Like, look, Payne now playing to what he should be playing. and Look. I don't know what they're saying and why they would allude to that, but Payne, he's giving you 30 minutes, 12 points, and that's, you know what, I'm okay with that. Because Adrian Payne isn't going to put 41 every game, which is obviously expected, but when you put double figures here, Austin, 12 points, you're in a little bit of foul trouble, you shoot 40% from the floor, 33% beyond the arc. 75% 75% on the line, that's not exactly atrocious when you break down the numbers.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to feed your animal. In Michigan, we, we call it feeding the mule coin by Johan Franz of the Detroit Red Wings. The Spartans are creating They are <laughs> creating on. that same game plan, though. You've got to feed the guy that's hot, and Adrian Payne is hot. And yes, he does have a target on his back. But let me go back to what I was saying earlier with the depth. Michigan State has that depth. They have Keith Appling who can step up. They have Gary Harris who really hasn't played to his 100% Fullest extent in this tournament yet. I think Gary Harris is about to pop off against Virginia. You want to put the target on, you know, Brandon Dawson or Adrian Payne because those are the two players that have played so well thus far. I think Gary Harris—it's his time, and Virginia is not going to be able to stop that. Fino, you know?
0: I think it's a pretty interesting point you brought up, and to me, I t- kind of disagree with one thing you said. You mentioned Gary Harris about to pop off. I couldn't agree more. The guy came up with some big threes when he needed to in that Harvard game. Michigan State takes a punch in the face. They respond back and throw their own haymaker. Three ball, a big shot after big shot, 18 points for Gary Harris in that Harvard game. But you mentioned Keith Appling has been solid so far. I think Keith Appling has been atrocious. I think Keith Appling has been nothing short of terrible. And I don't know what's up with Keith Appling. He's not shooting. He's made over 2 on the field, 0%, no threes, two foul. I mean, or well, four fouls against that Harvard. He's in foul trouble. You
4: know, 22 22- J- J- just a clarification, I was not saying that Keith Appling has played well thus far. I'm saying that he can and has the capability of playing well. He doesn't he, he we do that, that Yeah, exactly. I, I, we haven't seen that. He has six points in the tournament. It's pathetic. But he needs to step up. He's a senior point guard. He needs to step up. And he knows that. He really does, guys. He knows that he needs to step up, and he will. Uh, here's my point. I think he does know it. No
0: one knows more than he does that Keith has to step up. Trust me. We don't have to be behind the mics here and tell them, hey, kids, got to step up. To me, the most important thing is if Keith Appling plays effective basketball, Michigan State is not going to lose anytime soon because you're getting – I think your sixth man is Trice here. If you got Trice off the bench playing the way he's playing and has the capability to, okay, I get it. In that Harvard game, he only had six points but 24 minutes, but he went off in that Delaware game. So if if Travis Trice plays the way he's playing, Faith – To kind of supplement Keith Appling, I think this team is going to be very tough to beat.
2: You know, I was just going to make a point about that right after Austin said that because, you know, in my book, I just see everybody's talking about Harris, Payne, Dawson. Like, forget those guys. Travis Trice is somebody to look out for. He can knock down those baskets when he needs to. Those three pointers are all his. And he just brings a sense of urgency to the court.
0: I I mean, I, I agree. And I'm going to bring something up right now. You know, against Delaware. Denzel Valentine – and I'm, I'm, I'm switching it up a little bit because I think Denzel Valentine is someone I want to bring up right now. Against Delaware, Denzel Valentine gets three points, four fouls, four rebounds, one assist. Very ineffective for his style of play. Only 17 minutes. But in this Harvard game, with 32 minutes, I understand he was 2-for-7 on the floor, but I thought he had a very decent game for his Matter. Mm-hmm. Seven rebounds, six assists, one turnover, six points, no blocks, one steal – if, if, he, if Denzel Valentine gives you those numbers and does not turn the ball over, I understand he probably wants a better percentage from the floor, but if he gives you those numbers and plays better, shooting-wise, but if he gives you those numbers and gives you 10 points, how can you argue 10 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds? You can't argue that. And if he gives you that, Michigan State is also another team to look out for, because these are the external options, the 4th, the 5th, the 6th options. That's what we're talking about. Costello needs to play a little more physical, shown a little bit of spurts of, you know, spurts of brilliance. Mm-hmm. Travis Trice, Denzel Valentine. To me, these are your 4th, 5th, and 6th options, respectively. So if you look at that and if those guys mature and maturate the way they should play in the NCAA tournament, Virginia is going to be their toughest game. If they can cut through Virginia, they're sweep- toughest
4: game up to the Final Four.
0: Right, right now in this point, obviously Virginia is their toughest game. Mm-hmm. But I'm a firm believer. I do not want to get ahead of myself. If Michigan State beats Virginia and then they play the winner of that UConn uh, Iowa State game, whoever may beat that may be, I think it's a- going to be. A, a team that plays to Michigan State strength more than their weakness because those are both teams that score a lot of points. 517-432-3893 is our number. Feel free to call us maybe here on the Pac <laughs> 988.9 FM. But as we roll on with men's basketball, let's just turn the table a little bit for Michigan State. Now, let's look at the as we look at the bracket, Faith. What is one team that has surprised you thus far as a team that has dominated but surprised?
2: Dominated but surprised.
0: Because I'll give you mine. Okay, to me, I think a team that has surprised me is UCLA. Yeah, you said that. I I, I did say that off air, but I want to say it on air for our listeners. I like UCLA. Now, the common picks are, oh, Stanford ten seed, Dayton eleven seed, Presidents crowd surfing. But to me, when I look at UCLA and the way what they're playing, they play their opponents to such an interesting level because they just dominate. They just dominate people. When I look at it, both of their games have not been close at all, whatsoever. So when I look at UCLA, their first round tilt, they played a Tulsa team, a 13 seed. They beat them pretty handsomely, seventy six fifty nine. And then in the second round or third round, I should say, you know, the first four games, they play a 12 seed, Stephen F. Austin. They beat handsomely by 17. So to counter my uh, to counter my argument here. I can understand what people are saying. Look, Fino, they've played a 13 seed. They've played a 12 seed. And that's not stern competition so far. But when I look at UCLA and the Pac-12, people are very quick to jump for, oh, the Big Ten's got three people. Oh, so-and-so. Oh, but what about the Pac-12? The Pac-12 to me is playing exceptional. That's why I like UCLA as my team that has surprised me thus far, Faith.
2: I guess I'm a little bit surprised. I like Baylor, and I have them going farther. You know, they're playing Wisconsin this weekend, but I know, shout-out to my brother. Sorry about this, Drew. But uh, um, mm-hmm. Baylor played Creighton, and, uh, you know, they came out 85-55, to and I think they dominated that game. And I was very, very impressed. Now, how they do against Wisconsin, we'll see, but I think they dominated Creighton. And Creighton was, you know, they were hyped up to go into the NCAA tournament.
4: Yeah, Creighton was hyped up. And, I mean, for me, guys, I think... I'm just gonna take the obvious one. It's Dayton. What? Like, where did they come from? No one thought that Dayton, who upset Ohio State in the very first game of the tournament, will be able to move through the tournament into the Sweet 16. Similar to the shocking performance last year from Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, guys, they're playing well. They're replicating that performance. Archie Miller's done a great job, you know, with Dayton this year. He just received a contract extension, actually. I saw that. Yeah, it, I mean, that's a great thing for them over there. It's the first time in 30 years making it this far in the NCAA tournament. Honestly, guys, Dayton, they're really kicking it. And I think they're going to make it to be Elite eight. I mean that's what I have right now. What I do mean, you guys think? I mean, the thing with Dayton for me, Goody, is Dayton has been very blessed. And I'm
0: uh, you're like blessed? Obviously they're in the <laughs> sweet sixteen. Blessed. Hashtag blessed, <laughs> but not so much because they have to run through a six seed Ohio State team which they beat, you know, right there at the last second. Mm-hmm. And then a Syracuse team they beat at the last second too. Mm-hmm. So there's stra- And everybody there are people that had Syracuse in their final four. I agree. And they're yeah. scraping by some teams. But the thing is with Kansas losing to Stanford, you know what? When you look at it, that did Creighton a favor. Because mm-hmm. now Creighton, I'm not saying they can sit back, but they can look at their tournament and their schedule thus far. They beat a six seed. They beat a three seed. Potentially, everyone thought they would play Kansas a two seed. So their their road would not have gotten any easier. But they, I'm going to say it. They catch a break. But Stanford is playing very well. No dis—no disrespect to that team in Palo Alto. But the thing is, a 10 seed for those guys playing as an 11 seed, that is something they can hang their head on and be like, look, the road is difficult, but now we're in the Sweet 16, now we're playing at FedEx Forum, South Region, Memphis, Tennessee, and look, they won't have a lot of fans, I won't say, I don't know if they won't have a lot of fans traveling, but you know what? They're playing a Stanford team that has to travel across the country. So it's a perfect situation when you look at a Dayton team. It is very realistic that we can see a Dayton Flyers team in the Sweet 16. Or, I'm sorry, Elite 8.
4: 517
0: 432 3893 is our number, guys. Feel free to call in, as always, with some NCAA tournament action. But, you know, let's lay the obvious stuff down. Let's break down that East region for a second. Michigan State's region, you know, we are an MSU show, so we have to highlight MSU for a sec. But let's turn the tables a little bit. What is one team beside Michigan State in that in that East region that has surprised you guys thus
4: far? Goody, what do you got? I would say Iowa State. Honestly, and surprising. You know, yeah, honestly, for me it was. I, I mean, I didn't have Iowa State advancing very far in this tournament. I think you know pl- I think they're playing pretty well, and you know, they very well could beat Connecticut. They very well could do that.
0: You know, I'll give that to you because at the same time, they they lose one of their best player, George Nang. They lose him to a broken foot, mm-hmm. and then everyone wrote them off against UNC. Obviously, they got a little fortune, but who doesn't need fortune in this tournament? They're playing without George, as one of their star players, and everyone wrote them off. Mm-hmm. So you know what? At immediately, Goodman, I would be like, "Are you insane, bro?" But exactly. I, but you know what? Without your one of your best players, everyone thought, "Do they have the offense?" Quest That's for, like
4: Michigan State losing Gary Harris right now today, saying, "Oh, he broke his hand, slamming it against a table."
0: I get the con- <laughs> I get the concept. Although you can say George Nyang does not have the same. <laughs> you know, ceiling as a Gary Harris, but yeah, I, I, mean, I, I do get your concept. So it's the to, same philosophy, you know? I, don't, I 100% agree with that, but at the same time, I think there's some more... There's more surprising teams for me, Faith, and I like UConn. Uh,
2: oh, yeah, I'm definitely with you because okay. I picked them to go further. Okay. And, uh, you know, they... I mean, I mean, I, I I actually predict them losing in the first round. Actually, Sorry. to St. Joe's. Oh yes, absolutely. And so, and then they trump Villanova, which I had going into the Elite Eight. I mean, uh, Villanova is, is a
0: very surprising thing, but give us uh, give us your sleeper faith.
2: My sleeper in this
0: region, for instance. So, mm-hmm. like for me, I like that I like a UConn team as a sleeper, and the reason why I'm bringing that up, Faith, is because you mentioned it, and I'm so glad you did. I had them losing. You're like I had them losing to St. Joe's. A lot of people had them losing to St. Joe's. They were losing that game. They go into overtime. They take it to overtime at Shabazz Napier. It's very difficult to pick against a Shabazz Napier for me. I looked at Shabazz Napier and I loved what I saw of him. He's a very dynamic player. Nothing like Kemba Walker back in his in his UConn days. But when you look at the way he's playing in the NCAA tournament, how could you not pick against Shabazz Napier? 24 points in that St. Joe's game looks outstanding. He comes back, knows people are going to target him. Like, imagine Adrian Payne. Everyone knows what you have in Adrian Payne, and they're going to keep gunning for you and gunning for you. Now, Shabazz has 24 against St. Joe's, only to come back against a Villanova team and gives you 25. So, to me, that's a star player stepping up, with Kevin Ollie as your coach, I love Kevin Ollie, a Jim Calhoun disciple. And to me, in that East region, I can't pick against UConn to be a surprise. No,
2: and they and they definitely came out and surprised me. Like I said, I picked them losing to St. Joe's, and they came out one eighty nine to eighty one, and then against Villanova, winning seventy seven to sixty five. So those are big margins. They are, and so now they're going to play Ohio State. Uh, no, Iowa State on Friday. We'll see where that goes.
4: So I have a question for you guys. All right, the winner of the game. Iowa State or Connecticut? I, hey. like a, I like Iowa
0: State because the way Iowa State is playing for me is I had or everyone, like compare your brackets, but I had Iowa State right there, guys. I had them in the th- in the thick of things. I'm surprised that UConn has taken it to Villanova. So, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that UConn's there, but I'm not shocked if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I do like Iowa State to advance to the Elite Eight and face off with the Michigan State team. Faith? I'm
2: exactly with that. Like I said, I picked Villanova. Um, beating St. Joe's, which obviously that didn't happen. So um now it's Iowa State and Connecticut. I pick Iowa State.
4: So you like I was saying, good answer your own question. Who do you got in on that one? Iowa State. So everyone's got Iowa State here. And I and I said they were surprising, but they are going through adversity and I love that. I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna jump on that horse right there. I want them to beat Connecticut. I want them to do it. Not necessarily one hundred percent they're going to because guys it's March Madness, but I think they're gonna do it.
0: All right, so we mentioned pretty dynamic in this east region. But, guys, how about this? Let's turn the tables a little bit and let's break down Michigan State's roster so far in the NCAA tournament. To you, you know, to both of you, who is the most impressive player thus far for Michigan State? Is it Payne? Is it Dawson? Is it Gary Harris? I know I have my selection, but I'm curious to hear both of yours to see kind of where we compare to that and we can embrace a little debate in this one. So, Goodman, who do you like as your most impressive player for Michigan State thus far?
4: My most impressive player. Most impressive could fall under a couple categories. Well, your
0: biggest impact player. Let me clarify that. All
4: right. Adrian Payne, obviously, with his 41 points against Delaware, that was phenomenal. But the things that you are seeing out of Brandon Dawson are things that you've never seen before. When you look at the tournament, going into the tournament, you expected Adrian Payne to pop off and say, all right, I'm back. It's my time. But... Brandon Dawson, did everybody truly expect Brandon Dawson to play that well in the tournament, to put up 26 points, to be able to be that big of a force under the hoop? I don't know. And, you know, to me, I loved the way that Brandon Dawson has played in both games. So Dawson is your guy. He's my guy. He's your guy right
0: now. Faith, what do you think of that?
2: Payne right now is my guy, but I'm concerned going into this Virginia game because why? I think Virginia has a dominant defense, and they're going to try to shut down Michigan State's best players. And that's definitely going to be Payne. You know so, Michigan
0: State's going to try to run those and Payne that's can true. run.
2: That's absolutely true. But I think it will have to end up being Gary Harris Okay, so in this game, upcoming game. But
0: you like Payne thus far as your biggest yes. impact player here on the Impact yes. at 8.9. I would MVP.
4: call Gary Harris my X Factor for the next game. Okay, Somebody that's going to come out that hasn't played. You know... He put up 18 points. That's great. He's played great defense. He's one of the best players in the in the NCAA. You would expect that. But I expect Gary Harris to truly show the NCAA why people think he's the best.
0: Well, not so fast faith here because the thing is I also like Brandon Dawson as my guy as an impact player because to me, look, no one knew. And, and you know what? You know, we're it's a needle in the haystack at this point. We're pinching pennies as they say because the <laughs> thing is Adrian Payne. <clears throat> Excuse me, Adrian Payne is phenomenal. Brandon Dawson has been phenomenal. But when I look at the two, I knew I w- I didn't know I was going to get an NCAA tournament free throw record at, a, at Adrian Payne. I didn't know I was going to get 41, first since 08 and Seth Curry over um, at Davison. But to me, the reason why I'm saying Brandon Dawson is because the what Dawson has given you in that Delaware game and in that Harvard game especially in that Harvard game, for me, is nothing short of impressive. You know the effort he's going to give you, 26 points in a 9-rebound effort against Harvard. And look, when you look at it in that Delaware game, guys, he's back to what everyone expected to do. 10 points in in the Delaware game, but guys, he's leading the team in rebounds in each respective game they're playing led the team with eight rebounds against Mm -hmm. delaware led the team with nine rebounds against uh harvard so for me it's leading the team in rebounds
4: and getting that presence down low the team looks up to him michigan state the spartans look up to brandon dawson they're like brandon what do we do and he have showed them the way during the tournament and i love that you're saying that right now he is you know he's their guy he's their leader he's that strong asset of the team that's like Man, let's get this going! And he is rallying his troops, and they're getting out there, and they are going. And I love that. The leadership is so great.
0: The leadership is exceptional. But quick, before we hit a break here, guys, we got three minutes in this segment. I want we look at this Michigan State team and who's the biggest impact. Well, let's talk about our dud. Who has been? And we kind of alluded to this before. I'm curious to know officially who you guys say, but who has been your biggest dud so far for Michigan State? Faith
2: Appling. I definitely would say that. You know, something is still wrong. He can't find a shot and just has been really defective. I think definitely, you know even though he's a senior, I really wish he would come out. But I think he really has been defective in the NCAA tournament so far. Can't argue that.
4: Yeah, I agree there. I mean, six points for Keith Affling in two games is pathetic. I'm sorry. That's, that's pathetic. You're a senior point guard. You need to step up your game.
2: Well, I just and, think you're comparing, you know, what he's done in the past to what he is now. Yeah. So it's a little disappointing. I can totally see that.
4: Absolutely. And he needs to step up his game because he's the le- he is also one of the leaders. I mean, Brandon Dawson, yes, he is their I think he's their ultimate leader. But Keith Appling, when he's playing well, the team's playing well. When he can feed the ball, they can get the ball in the net. I mean, I'm just trying to look at it from all facets of the game. Guys, he needs to step up his play.
0: I'll say this. I can't argue that but, I'll, but I'll, I'm going to make a case for a bigger dud. And to me, a bigger dud thus far, and Keith Appley has been nothing short of atrocious. But to me, a very similar dud in that same category is Matt Costello. And the reason why I'm saying that is because if Payne is going to get in foul trouble, and if God forbid anything happened to Brandon Dawson, and we saw he was clutching that wrist or that hand in that Harvard game, but he got up and he, t- he played through it. you know He had Daw- a rap
4: on it at the end of the game if you noticed.
0: Uh, the I, green did, rap. I did notice that, but... Look, when you look at Costello, in nine minutes against Delaware, three fouls, four points. And against that Harvard game, seven minutes, three points. I think, and you know, he had five boards against Delaware, but if if Matt Costello gives you better play down low, it's really hard to argue how this Michigan State team will lose because If you look at a rebounding effort from Dawson, from Payne, and if you add Costello, I would argue that Michigan State can still win without Keith Appling playing the way he's played. And then you
4: throw Valentine in there with that rebounding team, too. I mean, he's good. He can get up there, Denzel
0: Valentine is out-rebounding Costello in the tournament. And to me, a three should never out-rebound a four. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of – and I understand, look, Costello isn't getting the same minutes as Valentine. Valentine starts. Costello does not. But Costello coming off the bench, he comes in for very crucial minutes. He came in for very crucial minutes when Payne had foul trouble and didn't really contribute that much. So if Michigan State's going to be dominant and Matt Costello can give you dominant play off the bench, Michigan State will be extremely scary. Because I can argue with Keith Appling playing ineffective, Trice has somewhat stepped up. Closing thoughts, Goody.
4: Although MSU has played pretty well so far, they can play better, and that's the scariest part for any team that's about to face them, and they know that. So I think they're going to do well in the tournament. I have them in the Final Four exceeding that, but I guess we'll see.
2: Faith? I think this game coming up here against Virginia is going to be very, very difficult. It's going to be a definitely low-scoring game, and if you look at Michigan State's records, Michigan State doesn't do particularly well with low-scoring games. They
0: don't do well with low-scoring games. You can... And, you know, if there's one team in the back of your mind, folks, that gives you a low-scoring game that Michigan State plays in the Big Ten, who am I going to say? Yeah, they're still in the tournament, Wisconsin, and they haven't fared well in those games. We'll take a quick break here on The Pack. When we come back, we'll bring in Harry, we'll bring in Lou, and, ladies, we didn't forget about the Lady Spartans because Michigan State women have a tilt tomorrow in Chapel Hill against UNC. We'll break it all down and talk about our woman, Ariel Powers, all coming up after the break here on The pact.
3: You're listening to the pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM East Lansing.
4: For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place.
0: A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle.
1: I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing.
0: But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student, is a graduate.
1: People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't.
0: Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council.
2: For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight,
3: the Impact's progressive torch and twang twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Impact Primetime. Prime time. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pack.
0: That is right, everyone. Your host, Fino, alongside here on WDBME Slansing. Bring in Harry. We bring in our guy Lou behind the glass. And we're breaking on the women's tournament. And the women's tournament, you know, Michigan State played... Very well, and I mean very well. They had a thirty-point victory against a Hampton twelve-seed team. Michigan State, a five-seed, they improved to twenty-three and nine, thirteen and three in the Big Ten. Even though that aspect of their standings will stay dormant as they increase, keep increasing wins, but to me, I thought this was a very interesting game, folks. I loved the what I saw in Michigan State playing in Chapel Hill, playing in that region. It is difficult region. They have a lot of good teams in that region. They have a South Carolina team that's very scary. You have an Oregon State team that I love. They're killing teams. You can't sleep on Penn State, who they've had a very tough time with, and Stanford, who I love. So their region is definitely locked and loaded in that West, that Stanford region. But to me, Harry, I don't know. I like Michigan State, but this game against UNC is really going to test their fortitude.
1: This UNC team is great. I would argue that if they didn't have a rough uh, stretch in the middle of the season where they lost to three unranked teams, they would be a number one seed. They have five wins against top ten teams. They're five and four against top ten teams. And the number one seed in the region, South Carolina, doesn't have one. Albeit, South Carolina didn't lose as many games as North Carolina, but North Carolina has the skill and talent led by their freshman... um, Sorry, their freshman...
0: Yeah, there's Alicia no- Gray,
1: sorry. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Diamond to Shields, who's actually averaging 18 points a game, which is very good. I love freshmen. Diamond to
0: Shields, first of all. We're going to talk about UNC. I absolutely love him. And the reason why, I, or I love her, the reason why I love her is because, look, when you come down to it, she had 15 points, and technically she came off the bench, if you really want to break it down. Mm-hmm. She had 31 points off the bench. Now, you can tell that she's kind of a dynamic player for her, but if they have an answer for Miss Diamond Shields, I think Michigan State is going to have an easy way in this game. But what scares me, Lou, what really scares me about this matchup that a lot of folks are not talking about is they're playing in Chapel Hill where UNC plays. So I think it's going to be very interesting. But if Michigan State can get through the atmosphere, I think if they can set their plays up, Annalise Pickrell, Ariel Powers, Two two players I think are going to be keys for the game if they can shut these ladies down on UNC I think they have a good chance.
3: Absolutely, you know, and I think we should uh, focus here just for a sec on uh, on some of these Spartan players. Y- you know, Tori Jankaska. I think her performance is obviously pretty ridiculous. You know, shoot anytime you shoot a hundred percent in a game, uh, you deserve some kudos and absolutely. But it's also kind of a head scratcher and i've used this that term before while talking about this women's team because of the inconsistency you know she she fired her same amount of field goals as she did in that nebraska thrashing that they had except instead of going 0 for 7 she went 7 for 7 you know Look, how 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 was you... great i, I mean... know but how do you as a coach how do you approach that discrepancy because you what do you do there for well there's
0: no, there's nothing really you do i think you know if you watch the game because it was really a clinic. Michigan State puts 52 points at half. But what I saw at Annalise Pickrell is... Look, she was really feeling it from the floor. So you kind of have to go with it. When, when, when one of your players, Harry, is in a zone, you just go with it. So from a coaching perspective, Lou, I don't think there's much you can do. One day, Miss Pickerel was off. One day, she was on. And when she's on, Michigan State doesn't really lose. I
1: agree. Austin brought it up in the last segment, feed the mule. And that's exactly what they're doing. And this women's team is actually a lot like the men's team, whereas they have a lot of options to go to. We talk about the men's team with Gary Harris, Adrian Payne, Keith Appling. Um, Brendan Dawson. This team has uh, Pickrow, Powers, Jankowska, um, Aggie, and uh, Clarissa Bell was one of their leading scorers this uh, past year, but she's taken a lesser role this season, but they have people who can score the basketball, so that's very valuable valuable come March, where it's just one game, and if somebody's having an off day, somebody else is going to have to pick it up. So that's one thing they do have going for them.
0: To me, when I look at Michigan State, the ladies Spartans, I think they're seven deep in that perspective. I think mean, They have seven players that can give you exceptional play. Now, the obvious five is their starting five. Annalise Pickrell, Becca Mills, Ariel Powers, Tori Jankoska, and Clarissa Bell. I think those four ladies or five ladies give you so so many different options, and I think they're effective. And if Ariel Powers rebounds the way she did, this team is not going to lose. But there's two players off the bench that I especially love. I love a Gi. It's because a Gi, she'll give you 30 minutes and she'll give you a 10 points, but she gives you a double-double. And to me, she gives you a double-double, and that's so big. Exactly,
1: exactly. And this this next game coming up against UNC is going to be really contrasting styles because if you look at UNC's roster, they're only going about four deep with Diamond to Shields, Alicia Gray, Zelina McDaniel, three of those are, fre- are freshmen, and Stephanie Mavunga. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be weird to see how... Yes, UNC might have the stars, but Michigan State has the depth. So that's when, I, when I look the at contest.
0: it, you know, that's a good point, but when I look at it, Lou, I look at Michigan State is straight a better rebounding team. UNC, 41 boards in their game. Michigan State as a team. Michigan State, 54 boards. When you look at UNC, none of their ladies had a double-double in a rebounding, in a rebounding points perspective. When you look at Michigan State a gee off the bench is giving you a double double. Annalise Pickrell didn't give you a double double, but she gives you rebounding presence. As 6 rebounds is pretty exceptional for a girl that's going 100% from the floor. And you cannot say enough about Ariel Powers, the freshman giving you 15 defensive rebounds, 18 total rebounds. I think it's absolutely ridiculous the way Miss Powers played. Yeah.
1: That's an unbelievable line. I mean, if somebody's doing that in the main game, they're front page of ESPN, but she didn't get as much publicity. Um
0: yeah. But in no disrespect to the women's, they're not going to get as much publicity, and that's why we're here on the pack giving them some publicity. Mm-hmm. And I think the important thing is, Lou, when I look at it, I think this is a big game coming up for Susie Merchant. Because if Coach Merchant can pull this game off in Chapel Hill against UNC, against a higher seed, four versus five, make it – Back to the Sweet 16, which she hasn't made it to, and since her first season as Michigan State coach, I think this is big for her. I think this is very big if she can get to UNC, and they can somehow handle UNC. Then we'll worry about who's winning Oklahoma State, or I'm sorry, Oregon State or South Carolina. But to me, that's the big game.
3: I don't think you could say it enough. I think this game is massive for Coach Merchant, and y- you know, you mentioned it. She really hasn't. She hasn't gotten us, or the the Spartan women's team, to the point where, you know, everyone can really look at her and say, wow, this is a truly tremendous coach. You know, she she has a fairly good regular season record. I think maybe her most tremendous quality is her ability to deal with the media and the fact that, you know, she's she's really big in the community, uh, East Lansing, you know, everything like that. But now she has to start putting wins together now that we have players like Powers and Jan Koska and other players like this, you know. So... I, I think Merchant really has to put this together, because what we've seen, and we talked about this in the past, they don't do well against these high-ranked teams, you know? They- so, so you know, we can keep watching them and hoping that they're going to do well, but this game is going to be massive.
0: This is why this game is so massive for me, okay? The reason why I am so big on this game, and folks, if you want to watch, it's tomorrow night on ESPN2, 7 p.m. in Chapel Hill, but... This is why this game is so massive. This is why Michigan State's draw was so effective. is because if you look at the other one seeds, I'm just looking at the one seeds, listeners. UConn, Notre Dame, and Tennessee. Michigan State happens to get drawn in the one seed in in that West region with a South Carolina team, which if you follow the women's game, which I personally follow the women's game, that is by far the weakest one seed out of all those four teams. That is the weakest one seed. But then you can flip and make the argument – that they have the strongest two seed, which they do in Duke, and those ladies can play. But forget that aside. You have the strongest two seed. You have the weakest one seed. I think this is an absolute great draw for Michigan State. It just happened to not work out that you're playing in Chapel Hill against a UNC team. I agree. I think if they can get past this game, they have a legitimate shot
1: at the Final Four. I think it's very, very possible. They might almost be the favorites if they can beat this North, North Carolina team. And it just depends, I think, on what North Carolina team shows up. They're a bunch of freshmen. Their first game, they uh, squeaked by against Tennessee Martin, won by two points. I think it was because of their freshman jitters. I think a different team comes out to play, so MSU's really got to come with it this game.
0: There's no doubt about it that Michigan State has got a lot to play for. And I think, you know what we always talk about? Michigan State women, the Lady Spartans need that big-time recruit. They need that big freshman to come in and play for Coach Merchant and work with the Clarissa Bells and what they had last year. You bring in Tori Jankoska. You bring in Ariel Powers. Freshmen with prowess. And ironically, I'm saying that with women, but these ladies bring prowess to this team. Ariel Powers dominated... If you even watch that game, I understand Hampton is not an, is not an effective team, and Michigan State handled them. But if you saw the way Ariel Powers played, maybe those numbers won't translate against the UNC team. But I have no doubt in my mind that those numbers won't translate to 13 rebounds, 17 points. And to me, if she plays like that, Michigan State. You know, a lot of people on this campus are talking about the men's team. Not so fast, my friend, as Lee Corso would say. Watch out for the Michigan State Lady
3: Spartans, loop. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it, it's kind of hard to judge these women's games based on the disparity in within the women's tournament and women's basketball at the NCAA level in general. But one player that has played well in every game, as far as I could tell, I, I mean, her production's varied, but, you know, she 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 always puts out a good performance. It is Powers. And to see that from a freshman... The leadership qualities also, you you know, it it speaks nothing but uh, good things to come for these women.
0: I agree. And, you know, I just have to make a correction here on air. Misread the bracket real quick. Duke is actually the two seed up in uh, the Lincoln region. Okay. So the two seed in the Michigan State region is Stanford. And the reason why that's effective, too, is Stanford is playing in the Stanford region. I don't know. I know Rick Pitino had a lot to say about the selection committee. What about this women's selection committee? Because Duke is playing in that Lincoln region. With a UConn team, I would argue that Duke is the best two-seed and UConn is the best one-seed. So that all works out in Michigan State's favor. So you have a Stanford team who's also very good, a very good two-seed. And then you have a South Carolina one-seed. So Michigan State has everything cut for themselves. But if they play well in that atmosphere, there's just so much to play for. Stanford is winning 32-16 against Florida State currently. So they're on a fast track to be in the Sweet 16 in their own backyard, in Stanford. So if Michigan State can play well at Chapel Hill, I have no doubt in my mind that they can play well in hostile environments. Can we disagree on that?
3: I mean, I I absolutely agree with that. I I, want to bring it back to uh, the depth and how that's going to work out in this game on the road, like you mentioned. And I think that having six effective players on the court or or available to come on the court at all times is going to be – the difference in this game should MSU win. And I think Agui is someone that you brought up, and we also were talking about similarities between the men's and women's teams. I think you can draw a lot of similarities between her and Travis Trice as that bench player who can come in and play around 30 minutes and give you effective stats. And not only stats, but just ball control in general and just kind of a calming presence on the court. And I I think that's an invaluable asset that North Carolina does not have. 517-432-3893 is our number.
0: If you want to call us maybe here on the pack, want to debate here with myself, Lou, and Harry, please feel free to call in and debate this Lady Spartans game. But guys, I mean, to me, I have to bring something up. Because in the men's game, we have parity. There's a lot of parity here. You have good teams, you have bad teams, and you have teams that mix well together. I would argue, and I want to hear both your opinions on this, in the women's game, there's not the same parity. There's, there's a massive gap between the dominant women's programs and the not-so-dominant women's programs. And then there's this very gray area where I feel like Michigan State's in between. They're not a poor program for the women's in women's basketball, but they're not an exceptional program. And that's no disrespect to Michigan State women's, ladies' women's basketball. It's really not, but they haven't really accomplished anything nationally. You talk about the Gino Oriemas, you talk about Baylor, you talk about Stanford, you talk about Duke, you talk about Notre Dame, you talk about Louisville, you know, all those teams that screen, even West Virginia this year, those are all teams that are like, whoa, those are programs. So to me, Michigan State has a lot to prove. Are they going to push in this spectrum where they're pushing to more of a prominent program? Or are they going to push back a little bit and regress? Because as we mentioned, Susie Merchant has never been to an Elite Eight with Michigan
3: State. Is this her year? I think that's a great point. And the disparity, I think that speaks to the fact that the recruiting pool for women's sports in general women's basketball it's not as great it's not as big yeah and you know that stands to reason because women's athletics is still on the upturn and you know as more and more women start to participate and you know they start watching teams like that are at the top and now hopefully MSU is going to become one of those teams and hopefully we can get some national recognition so that our recruiting does step up and that's I think that really falls on the shoulders of Merchant coming into this game to get her team going to get them fired up and say you know we have these freshmen now. Let's get some more freshmen, and let's start building this program so we can be one of those dominant programs here.
0: There's no doubt about it, and we've said it all. Show here, Harry, is that this is the big game for Coach Merchant. If Coach Merchant can make this game happen for her team, it is going. I think it will have such a positive on the recruiting front that hey, maybe this pushes Michigan State to the next level.
1: Yeah, I want to throw it back a little bit. You talked about parity in the women's game. I, I was looking at Notre Dame's schedule. They have they have won. Only they've won every game but two by over 10 points, uh-huh. n- haven't lost a game this season, and they're not even the number one overall seed in the tournament. That's pretty absurd to me because UConn apparently has had a better schedule than them or something because Notre Dame has blown out just about every opponent they played, and they're not even the number one seed. So if that happened in the men's game, it would be ridiculous. We barely ever get a undefeated team and when they are they are Wichita State who plays in a lesser conference than a Big Ten or an ACC whereas Notre Dame and Connecticut are playing in the bigger major conferences
0: well here's my thing so are you arguing that you think you think Notre Dame should be a number one overall no seed? I'm I'm just saying
1: okay. that the parody that you, the fact that this team could blow out every just about every team but two and not even be the number one overall seed is is a bit ridiculous
0: just look at it guys look at the look at who has UConn played we're talking about disparity. They played a, a number three Stanford team at the time, ranked. They kill. You look at a Maryland team in the tournament, eighth a number one, or, you know, eighth team in the nation. They beat. They beat a Penn State team, thirteenth team in the nation, a team that Michigan State lost by twenty something. They beat by about twenty two. You look at their. They they beat Duke. They swept Rutgers. They beat Louisville, swept them when they were four in the country and three in the country. And then they beat them again in the tournament. So they beat Louisville three times. They beat a Baylor team by 11. They beat a Cal team who was 21 by about 30. So when you look at it, I mean, there's just no parity there. And the fact that you can argue, why isn't Notre Dame a number one overall seed? You look at UConn's schedule, they have beaten 10 ranked teams. And they beat a Rutgers team who was ranked Back in January 19th, at the rack at Rutgers, 23rd team in the nation, Rutgers, they beat by 30, 94-64. If that doesn't tell you what Gino Auriemma and UConn has done, it's pretty scary. It's pretty, it's pretty scary. So to me, the fact that Michigan State can avoid a UConn, they can avoid a Duke, they can avoid a Tennessee, they can avoid a Notre Dame, and even avoid a West Virginia team this year that's surprised, I think that says a lot and that's why we make this big region this stanford this west region for Notre Dame, or i'm sorry for michigan state all the marbles in their corner all they have to do is throw them and hope for the best 517-432-3893 is our number We're going to take a quick break here on the Pack. When we come back, we'll wrap up our women's segment. We'll bring back Harry. We'll bring back Faith. We'll bring back Lou. We'll bring back everyone, and we'll talk men's basketball right after we wrap up this women's segment. Guys, you're tuning in on the Pack. You know where to be. Stay here.
3: You're listening to the Pack on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing.
2: For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week.
3: Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues. Your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime.
2: Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Munoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council.
3: And now back to the pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right, everyone. Welcome back to
0: The Pact. I'm your host, Fino, alongside 7.51 Eastern Time. It's a chilly night in East Lansing, although it is springtime. So everyone, bundle up for these last couple days, and hopefully we can see some sunshine. But more importantly, hopefully we can see a women's victory in Chapel Hill tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on ESPN2. So we bring back Harry, we bring back Lou, and we're going to get a quick recap summary, guys, on what we expect out of this women's game, out of this team, and more importantly, a prediction. More so, so we'll start with you, Harry. Who do you like in this game in Chapel Hill? Number four, UNC versus number five, Michigan State. Give us your winner, but first, give us your keys.
1: I I like. Uh, I'm going to start off with my prediction. I like North Carolina to win this game. I think that the freshmen that they start, the three freshmen, are going to get away with the fresh uh, get off of those freshman jitters they had against UT Martin. I think uh, Diamond to Shields is going to play a great game, and I think just having that home court advantage is so big for the tournament. But I think if MSU wins this game against USC, when the if these girls come to play, I think they do reach the final four. I think that's very, very, very uh, probable if they win this game.
0: That's very admirable. That's an interesting take, but we'll go with Lou first before I chime in.
3: Unfortunately, uh, for our Spartans, I also am going to pick North Carolina and. I say they lose probably 65-75. And obviously the key to the game would be, I think, the shooting. And I think Annalise Pickrell is right at the center of that. Obviously she can't go zero. I don't expect her to go 100. But she's got to find it somewhere around the 55-60 mark and hopefully shoot the lights out for this Spartan team so that they can get a victory against a higher-seeded team.
0: I think to me, guys, not so fast. I think this is pretty interesting takes here. But you know what? I like Michigan State to win this game. I really do. Although it is in you know, Chapel Hill, it is home court advantage, to me, the key is going to be Tori Jankoska. She went one for six beyond the arc, and that was terrible. Overall, Michigan State shooting 33% beyond the arc. But whoa, look at UNC here. And their game, they only beyond the arc, they shot 16.7%. So I think my key to the game is if Michigan State, can shoot the three well, rebound effectively. Ariel Powers giving you an effective game. But my key, Tori Jankoski, if she gives you a better shooting game from the floor and a better shooting game beyond the arc, I think Michigan State has the potential to and will win this game if they give you a better percentage. If Michigan State, if they shoot 40% beyond the arc, I think that's enough to push them forward. i like them to win by about seven, six points. A close one, but a barn burner, but I like Michigan State to win it. I really do. So that being said, we got our predictions there set up with our women's. What about the guys? Men's basketball, we'll bring in both our women's segment guys in for this little men's segment. We're Mac Faith and Harry and Austin, of course, Lou. All your predictions, guys. Michigan State men's versus a Virginia team. We'll start off with you, Goody. Who do you got and why and who's your key?
4: I think Michigan State is going to take this victory, and I'll tell you why. I think that it's obviously going to come down to the defense of both teams. The play of Valentine and the play of Gary Harris, of course, that's going to be a big aspect. But my X Factor for this specific game is Gary Harris. Will Gary Harris come out and get the points that he know he can? Will he play the best defense that he can? I think that he will. I think Michigan State's going to take this game, and I think it's going to be you know in the 70s range, 70s, 60s. I don't think it's going to be a 93 point game for Michigan State like they had before. I think that Michigan State can come out and win the game, but I think it's going to take a valiant effort from Gary Harris and also, of course, Adrian Payne and Brandon Dawson, who have already made their statements, and then Keith Appling, he needs to step up as well. It's a full team f- effort against Virginia. If they get this victory, it's an easy road to the Final Four.
0: Okay, so you like them? I right? like so, them. So you, so you like Michigan State to win this game? Faith, what about you? Michigan State, Virginia. I know you had a couple stats first. What do you got?
2: Yeah, just I have a little bit of research here. Six of eight Spartan losses were when they scored less than sixty-seven points. That's
0: true. That is true. But
2: if you look correlating with Virginia's st- stats, Virginia has. Allowed more than 67 points only once. And it was their one loss out of their 19 games. So it's going to be a very, very difficult game for the Spartans. I'm pulling for them, but who knows?
0: So you like, let's spit it out, Faith. You like Virginia. A little bit, yeah. So Faith likes the Cavaliers. I'm going to get her out here. Mrs. K had to spit it at her, but (laughs) she likes Virginia to win. All right, let's bring Lou. Lou, who do you got? Keys, though. Give me some keys.
3: Well, obviously, I mean, I think think rebounding's going to be a huge key. I think that Keith Appling needs to play a few more minutes. I know he's not going to score a lot of points because his, you know, his shots been a little bit off, but he I think he needs to show the a presence. Little? That's an understatement. I understand. <laughs> I'm joking with you, buddy. But you know, he has to go out there and he has to be that presence on that floor running the point like he knows he can and he's done a few times in this tournament i know everyone's bagging on him here and you know he hasn't obviously put up any major points but he has played well and he has run the floor at times in throughout this tournament so if he can do that i think that the spartans will win but at the same time they have to make sure that they don't take i mean obviously they're a number one seed virginia is going to be a little bit angry because you know, coming in as a number one seed, you expect to be the favorite, and that hasn't been the case. So I think they're going to take that a little bit to heart. So the Spartans better watch out because this team's going to be fiery. This team's fiery. They're the only ACC team and representative left. Just to clarify, so you like Michigan State. I do like Michigan State, and I mean, it's, it's going to be close. I, I say that it's going to be around 70 points, probably 70, 68. That's my, that's my goal.
0: What do you got, Harry? Give us something.
3: Man,
1: um, this game is really tough. A lot of I, haters here. Yeah, a lot of haters. I have Michigan State winning it, although I think Virginia is the team that scares me the most in this bracket. A lot of people see Virginia and they say, oh, they haven't been here before, they're not a tournament team. But this team is legit. They went 13-2 and in the ACC, probably the best conference in the in the NCAA, even though they haven't played well in 13 the tournament. 13-2, they
0: went 16-2 sixteen, and two, 16
1: and 2 sorry about that. No, you're, I'm, just, I'm, I'm
0: just letting the listeners, that they have prowess.
1: Exactly, they handled that Memphis team uh, last night. So, this team is very good, but I don't know if I'm going with my head or my heart here, but I have MSU winning the tournament. I don't think another team can beat us, just because we have four different players that can go off on, every, on any night. I think... Uh, I think this weekend will be either Gary Harris or Keith Appling's turn, but I think we take this game. Don't you, see him beating us.
0: You like you like Michigan State to win. Austin likes Michigan State to win. Oh, yeah. Lou likes Michigan State to win. Faith likes Virginia. And guess what, Faith? I have to stick by my guys. I like Michigan State to win this game, but I'll tell you why. I think Michigan State's rebounding is a big thing, but it's not outlandish because I do like a lot of things about Virginia. 16-2 and two in the ACC. They played very legit competition. They dominated in the ACC tournament. They're the only ACC representative left. They are playing for not themselves, but for the ACC. We mentioned Gary Harris. What about Joe ha- Harris? Joe Harris is their guy. 16 points against Memphis, and he is their guy. He's a dynamic player. He's a two-way guard. I love his play. He can steal. He can rebound. He can assist. You know, he's a great player. I like Michigan State to win this game. Sorry, Joe Harris. I'm going with Gary Harris. That game <laughs> Friday at the Garden. It's about 10 p.m. on TNT, so stay tuned. Thanks for our listeners here on WDBME Slanting on 88.9 FM. 517 43238 93 is our number. So if you want to call us maybe, we'll be here every Monday from 7 to 8. Thanks to Harry. Thanks to Faith. Thanks to Austin. Thanks to Lou. Thanks to everyone here that listens to the Pack every week. You makes our lives that much easier, and talking sports is what we love to do. For everyone here on The Pack, I'm your host, Fino, signing off from the basement of Holden Hall. Stay warm. Spring is here, and hopefully we'll see some nice weather. Take care, East Lansing.